HR professionals, safeguard your business from compliance risks. AIMHR Solutions offers crucial compliance audit services tailored to your needs. Led by expert consultants, our audits ensure full compliance with federal and state laws and regulations. We provide a roadmap for your business's future with detailed reports pinpointing strengths and areas for improvement. Save time, money, and mitigate risk with our expertise. Constantly evolving laws and limited HR staff can leave you vulnerable to fines and lawsuits. Protect your business. Schedule your audit now at aimhrsolutions.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's Pete, and uh, we're still on our summer break. As you're listening to this, it's the 4th of July here in the United States. Hope you are all out celebrating and doing all of the things that we do with the fireworks and the barbecues and just fantastic time uh, with friends and family. On this week's classic human solutions, we're talking about generational differences in the workforce. We've got a Gen Xer and a millennial and a Gen Z, and uh, we're all talking about uh, what it means to build a workforce that makes sense for all ages and generational representation. And I also make some dumb jokes because I'm the oldest and that's what I do. Thanks, everybody, for hanging in this summer. Hope you're having a great break. I know we are. We'll catch you in just another few rounds of classic episodes. We'll be back right here for Human Solutions and now on with the show. Welcome to Human Solutions, simplifying HR for people who love HR from AIM HR Solutions on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright. And hey, everybody, uh, Gen Z is in the workplace. Who are they? How are they different from millennials? And why has everyone forgotten Gen X? Dudes, will no one gag me with a spoon anymore? Our own Gen Z is in the spotlight today. We've got Callie McGraw, our event support specialist, Jen Moff, our VP of training, and Jillian Derby, our senior marketing director. We're going to spill the tea on what makes this generation tick and what your company should be thinking about when it comes to attracting, retaining, and fostering relationships with Gen Z talent. Hi, everybody. Welcome. I feel very, very old in this oh, conversation. You're only as old as you feel you are. <laughs> Age is just a number. <laughs> Age is so just young. a number. There you go. I'm I'm young on the inside. My except inside my knees, they're also old. Uh, <laughs> we're so we're talking about Gen Z. Uh, there, Gen Z is in the labor market. Uh, let's let's start briefly with a generational audit. Where you see yourselves and the generation labels that you embody. So, Callie, starting with you, you are officially our Gen Z. I am, and. In Jillian standards, I'm a geriatric Gen Zer as well. <laughs> <laughs> I did okay. not say that. <laughs> All right. So, Jillian, where are you? I am 1984, so I am a geriatric millennial. Oh, my goodness. I know. Okay. It sounds so appealing. You sound very young for being as geriatric as you are. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jen, Bob, where are you? I'm an early 82 baby, so I'm part of that uh, zennial, so the overlap between Gen X and millennials. So there's there's a lot of fun to be had. Okay, so uh, it, it's fair to say that you probably saw the movie Reality Bites, but you might not remember it as your anthem. Is that is that fair? 
100%. Okay. All right. See, I am 72. I am square in the middle of Gen X, the forgotten generation. Uh, it, really, what we are known for, I think, most is the California uh, skater boy vowel shift uh, and uh, some language stuff. So let's then talk about what we are getting out of uh, these generations. What are the generational uh, splits? Does anybody have the the actual years in front of them for what a what generation we're looking at right now? So from so it's important to preface that there's different variations on this. So this is just one variation that I found. It the years can kind of change depending on who you ask. Um, but we got boomers from about 1946 to 1964. We have Gen X from about 1965 to 1979, 1980. Uh, millennials from 1980 to about 1994, 1995-ish. And Gen Z from 1996 to 2012. One of the things that I know is that this, uh, the, the definitions of what makes a generation, those years tend to fluctuate as we get further from it. So it's much easier to define the boomer generation now because it's not really changing that much anymore. But what will be defined as millennial and 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 Gen Z is still a little bit in flux, but we do have a sense of what some of those characteristics are that define the work behaviors on uh, those generations. So millennials and Gen Z, Okay, as the as the oldest one, as the Gen Xer, they seem very fluid to me. I don't know what the differences are between millennials and Gen Z. <laughs> who who can help me uh, uh, differentiate between the two? Uh, do we do we start with do we start up and go down, or do we just let our Gen Zer uh, lay into us? I think we let the Gen Zer tell us how chuggy we are. <gasps> We're so chuggy. Oh, <laughs> uh, no cap. What? What is chuggy? <laughs> Oh, Jillian, we'll school you. We'll all right, Callie, you. I have the BuzzFeed <laughs> quiz open. We're going to end with that. So, all right, uh, Callie, uh, tell us tell us what we need to know about you. I think there are a lot of similarities, but for the most part, the big three differences, I would say, are that Gen Zers really like to work independently, where millennials like to really collaborate in the workplace, or at least in general. And I don't think that's necessarily true for us. And that's actually something I really saw between my grad school program and undergrad is just the different generations that were in those groups. They just really work differently together. We also really are entrepreneurial and creative go-getters. Not to say that millennials aren't, but (laughs) that's just really one of the big generalizations there. And we also really do value flexibility in the workplace. How does how does this all de- de- sort of define your experience with the pandemic and remote work, uh, millennials versus Gen Z? What what are some expectations there? It's actually it's really difficult. This is something I was really thinking about too. My entire experience in the workforce has been through a pandemic, and. I think the pandemic triggered a lot of changes in the workforce where a lot of people were moving to become remote and starting to have more insight into each other's lives. Like the life work-life balance line really got blurred throughout the pandemic. And I think that's something that as my generation comes into the workforce, that is something that is going to continue to happen because that is a value for us. So I think the the workplace is going to become a bit more casual 
And the pandemic was a big trigger for that. Like, how excited are you to go to an office? Like right now, if they just everybody says, hey, okay, office is open and we want you in this cubicle. Um, (laughs) Well, I would say I am really someone that is for remote work and... Listen to how diplomatic you are, though. That's really fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so genteel and delicate. And how you responded. (laughs) Loved it. But I think this is really important. So, Jen, to you, I mean, the in, in terms of expectations of what employers need to be ready for and need to be uh, sort of building infrastructure for, that's changing. And it doesn't feel like that, like there's a whole lot of room in terms of who we have in the staff, in, in the available staffing pool for the, that we need to build up in our organizations. It doesn't seem like those expectations are going to change. Yeah, I would agree with you. Prior to my working for AMHR Solutions, I was approached to do some work for a a very large company based in Massachusetts. And um, when I was chatting with the the representative about things, one of the things that gave me kind of like a, "Mm, I don't think this is a good fit for me, is they were 100% in office, would not do any flexibility on remote work or just hours of like there was nothing. It was, you're in the office every day from this time to this time in this blah, 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 blah environment. And, you know, I've, I've also owned my own business for years. And so I'm used to working from home and I know what you can get done anywhere from a computer, as long as you have the resources. So with so much technology available, how do we, you know, not necessarily sell companies on the idea that remote work is the way to go. But like Callie said, the pandemic triggered a major change. And a lot of times in my my experience, uh, people don't change until the pain of their circumstances becomes kind of like necessary. And so I think we're, we're all really lucky in many ways that I, I tend to look at really, um, I tend to look for kind of the, the silver lining, so to speak, or the, the benefits of certain situations that are kind of challenging. So for me, I look at the pandemic as being a real gift in advancing the way that we do business and the way we run companies and how we can train remotely and support people and, and attract talent from across time zones because the, the limitations that we once had aren't in place anymore. I've been reading more and more that the assumption that being in person and working in teams together that we have long held as the ultimate in uh, fantastic workplaces that mm-hmm. that teams can collaborate together they can sit down and see each other in the eye that that is an assumption based on increasingly thin research that it's becoming a fallacy and in fact the tools that we have to work together remotely are actually filling holes we never thought would be able mm. to be filled interpersonally. Jillian, to you, what do you think about this trend for uh, teamwork and collaboration and how it is impacting our generational awareness at work? So I think, you know, being a millennial, um, we, were to- we were told that we love collaboration. We love open <laughs> office concepts. <laughs> and this would be the way of the future. Um, so I remember I worked in one particular organization and they said, we're moving you all into one big open space. Um, and you could see everybody all day and it was going to be great. It killed my productivity. I would go home and have to work at night because all day I was bombarded with 
someone's phone ringing, um, somebody just stopping by, you know, someone eating lunch, whatever it might have been. It was so disruptive to my day to day and never mind trying to take a call um, from my desk. So collaboration in the workplace for millennials. Yes, millennials love collaboration. um, But I know that for myself, you know, I need that time where I can also have independence um, from that. And I think bringing the work from home piece, that's huge. Um, So there's a lot of companies doing this hybrid approach now where you have meetings in the office, you get that face-to-face element that for some people is really important, but you also can, you know, take meetings at home or do your writing at home or whatever it might be. I think it's interesting, uh, Jillian, what you were talking about there. I could almost see like Pete's over here on the left and Jillian's over, not Jillian, pardon me, and Callie's over here on the right. And the millennials are kind of like this transitionary period. So it's like a, a Venn diagram. And in the middle is the, the, the millennials and the things that they liked that kind of occupy both spaces. I think that's so interesting. And I, I, I'm striving to be more <laughs> more millennial, honestly, more more Gen Z. <laughs> I, I really, I like, I I notice it specifically because I've I've worked now with Jillian for a number of months, and one of the things that I, only occurred to me this morning is a, a certain behavior around when we have conversations together face to face. In my the early days of my career, the phone existed to pick it up and call someone impromptu. Like if you just need to talk to somebody for five or ten minutes, you just called them. And I noticed that Jillian never does that with me. She always sends me an email and says, "Do you have time to schedule a quick phone call for five or ten minutes?" And I find that a delightful relief. <laughs> it is the best. Like, can we make all Gen X and older understand how great it is to just reach out and ask people if it's okay? It it. It is, and and I'll go back to Callie. Like there is, I don't know if you've if you've been in the workplace long enough to be able to reflect on the weird communications power vacuum that exists when you're collaborating with people versus when you just need to get your stuff done. Does that make any? Does that mean anything to you? Oh yes, that's something I've totally seen, and I, I think that I just work differently than a lot of the people I work with, and. You know, sometimes I'll want to just jump in and get something done quickly independently, but I realize that it's more of a bigger process where people are collaborating and talking to each other and everyone needs to be involved and tied in. But also just the different communication styles are crazy in the workplace. Yeah, it's something that I hadn't experienced before. And then it's just, it really became evident. Because when did you start at AIM? I started end of September 2021. 2021. So, okay, 21, 22, 23. So, really early 2024, late 2023, you're going to be out of here. So, let's talk about uh, how long generations are staying at work. Because Gen Z, the average time that a Gen Z uh, employee stays at a company is two years and three months. So, the clock is ticking. Uh, For uh, millennials, two years and nine months. You, even you geriatric millennials, you're not going to be there that long, right? So uh, what is it that we can say right now before you all leave this podcast 
that might inspire you to stay at your organization? What are the things that each of these generations is looking for and expecting to uh, to stick around? The greatest fear that someone like me has is losing institutional knowledge, mm. bleeding institutional knowledge, and keeping people for short, longer periods of time helps us to build that institutional knowledge. Where do we start? I, th- I think about this because Callie uh, is is been super helpful to me. I'm on my sixth week with AIM at this point, and I've like her had to navigate like the different communication patterns and learning different people prefer this way and that other people prefer this way. And um, I think about what I might like long term and what my goals are coming into the to the role and putting together a plan for the, you know the next three to five years. But also being 100% realistic with, with the data that's out there and with what I think we all know about ourselves, like what, what our values are and what we need. So for me to stay a, a, in any kind of relationship, because let's, let's be honest, that's what it is. It's a relationship between myself and the company, a relationship with both myself and other colleagues. I need to feel valued. I need to feel respected. I need to feel like... I can leverage the things that I am amazing at and the things that I get energized by. The more that I can't do those things, the less of uh, fulfillment I feel and the more longing I'd feel to find those things again. So as long as a company is creating opportunities for individuals like myself, for example, or any other millennial or Gen Z person that is less than three years, uh, you know, statistically to stay, we really need to have ways that we can, I think, highly contribute the things that we're interested in, and have opportunities to grow, have opportunities to be um, uh, developed. Like if there's if there's no, it doesn't necessarily mean to me and, you know, Jillian, Callie, Tell me how you're feeling about this, too. I don't know that I necessarily need like upward mobility as much as I need like opportunities to continue developing myself skills and um, other just different tasks and things that are of interest to me. It's interesting you talk about that. Um, One thing that I've come across with thinking about, you know, how do you stay at a company long term, especially when attracting Gen Z and millennials and things of that Mm -hmm. nature was Gen Z doesn't really look at the corporate ladder. They don't seem to care about that as much as they care about um, learning different things. And I've seen this with Callie, like Callie's doing a little bit of everything for different departments in the organization. But think of it as um, moving to lateral departments, you know, opportunity that may not be within the same department, but giving them exposure in coaching on different things that they may be interested in Mm -hmm. um, that you may be like, Oh, that's outside of their job description. But if you are able to retain the talent internally in some capacity, you know, that's a win as well. Yeah. This is tricky because I feel like Gen Z has a bad rep um, of just jumping companies and not wanting to stay. That's something that I see and hear a lot, but I think it's really just that we, we value finances we value growth and reassurance. So I think those are some major things. And then, I mean, getting a new job, that's just an instant way to boost your salary in most cases and an instant way to get that gratification that someone wants you to work for them. So I think if companies can provide that internally, that's something that will keep people. I think that's a really uh, important observation. 
that you're not looking for new reasons to to leave the company the moment you start working there. You're constantly looking for reasons to stay. Yes. There was one um, concept that I've seen floating around in the HR space called stay interviews. So, you know, when a company you go to leave, they give you an exit interview. Tell me all the reasons you're leaving because of how terrible we are. Um, (laughs) But instead, it's managers meeting with their current employees to say, okay, what would it take to make you stay? What could we do differently to have you want to retain you? And I think that's a much more productive conversation because you're retaining your talent before they go. I I love that you just said that because one of the questions I ask when I've been interviewed uh, at places is what brought you here? Like when I'm I'm the interviewee, they called me because I've applied or they've recruited me somewhere. I'll always ask the interviewer, what brought you to the company and what keeps you there? Because I think that is such an important question. I I think we can say collectively that this podcast slaps. I mean, it's a real bop. It's got, we're really vibing the mood. Kelly's looking at you real unhappily, Pete. (laughs) No, you're the one that's sus, Jen. You're sus. (laughs) I don't know. Am I doing any of this right? Do I know how Sauces, to do any of this? Yeah. So. You are. <laughs> you got it. I got to go play some Fortnite right now, you guys. This is this has been too much. I wanted to do a little quiz mostly for Jillian, uh, but now I've just used all my terms. <laughs> I I'm very. Th- I think this is a really interesting conversation, particularly valuable to have uh, to have representation across the generational spectrum, mostly because my sense is that. When we're talking about millennials and Gen Z, we're usually talking about millennials and Gen Z and not to millennials and Gen Z. Correct. There was a guy, Pete, th- that I saw recently um, in a, I think it was a TikTok, and he was talking I, I, it, as if he had no idea that millennials were, you know, at the 40-year age range now. They said, this person said, I are millennials even in the workforce yet? And I was like, oh, oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's a little bit shocking. But to the, to the same point, we're all the star of our own movies, right? Mm. It, it takes work to get outside of our own heads and change our, our perspectives. And I think this, is, this kind of conversation is particularly valuable in that regard. Um, so to, to wrap us up, let's, uh, let's just go down the list. And I want to hear a surprising thing from each of you about your generation that you don't think anybody else knows. Something surprising about my generation um, that we're not all emo fans. You know, some of us, I mean, I am, but I know plenty of people who aren't. Um, No, but that we grew up, we're pretty good with technology that because we grew up in, we know both sides, right? Like I remember being um, at home and picking up the phone and hearing the the dial-up sound sure no that was um, but a i good also remember too. thank you um yeah. but i also know you know how to use facebook i grew up using that in college so i think we're we're different than gen z gen z is more of this digital natives they grew up only knowing this kind of life where millennials have kind of experienced both we know what it's mm-hmm. like to um live in both worlds and we can adapt to technology pretty easily what's your favorite communications tool probably email or text messaging okay Jen? Oh, this is such a good question. I'm glad you didn't call on me first. <laughs> it took me a second. I think the, the the fallacy is that millennials are inherently selfish and narcissistic. Is that That's what kind of comes to mind to me. I think there's an opportunity that 
maybe previous people uh, born in different times maybe didn't prioritize themselves and did a lot of self-sacrificing, self-neglect in the name of X, Y, or Z. Um, And I think that millennials, you know, we're we're the byproduct of boomers and and Gen X. And with, with each, you know, year, more and more people start taking care of themselves. And maybe that looks like selfishness to others, but it just looks like, being the best version of you that you can be so that you can be the best for whatever you're involved in. And what's your favorite communications tool? I really like uh, a free app called Signal. It's highly encrypted. It's very similar to WhatsApp in that it's it's free and you can leverage it with people that have phone numbers outside of each country that you're in. And you have the opportunity to send audio messages, which I like. Uh, and you can react to things in the same way that you would like um, in, in Slack or something like that, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's my favorite. Excellent. All right, Callie, it's all you. Well, I would say that something that I've really been hearing a lot is that Gen Z just doesn't care and we're selfish and just don't show up, particularly for work and school. But I don't think that's a fair assumption. I think it's just that mainly for work, we just value other things outside of work. And we may work hard and might not work in this nine to five. I mean, I do, but just... Things may look a little different for Gen Z, but it doesn't mean that they don't care. It's just they might work more efficiently or might have other values. I I can't believe I'm finally old enough to say this, but I'm old enough to remember my boomer parents saying exactly the same stuff about me as a Gen Xer. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing, but, uh, you know, in the spirit of history will teach us something. That's maybe something you have to look forward to in 25 years. What is your favorite communication tool? Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's the that's the big one. That's the big lesson for all of us. Thank you all very much. This has been such a fun conversation. I sure appreciate all of you and your time and wisdom. Uh, Jen Moff, Jillian Derby, and Callie McGraw. You're great. Thank you. On behalf of all of these wonderful people, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you uh, next week right back here on Human Solutions, simplifying HR for people who love HR.